Hello and thank you for logging on to the Memory Gauge, your new favourite Digimon card game podcast. I'm your host Connor and in today's episode we will be doing a sort of preamble to the official online Bondi Run webcam tournament for the Digimon card game happening this weekend. We are going to talk about the 1.0 meta, we're going to talk about what decks we can expect to see a lot of this weekend, how they run, what you need to plan for, and what you can do to play against some of the strategies that we're anticipating are going to be the most popular. But before we get to our main topic for today, we have a couple of other things to cover. First, the Memory Gauge now has a Facebook page. For those of you still using Facebook, please join the Memory Gauge podcast Facebook group. Trying to keep that updated with what I've been up to in addition to the other socials and hoping to build a nice little community there. So please, if you're on Facebook, drop into the Memory Gauge podcast Facebook group. Secondly, like a lot of you, those of you who are lucky enough, like me, to live in areas where we are allowed to start getting back together in person, my local game store recently ran this past weekend its first Digimon card game event. So, in addition to the fact that we're doing a kind of tournament preamble today, I also wanted to do a bit of a tournament report talking about that event, how it went, and things that I noticed. Now, there were only sort of 10 or so players because the area I come from is fairly um, rural, sort of not kind of central, so there aren't a lot of players around. So it is a bit of a small sample size, but I figured that if I throw my information, the things I learned, into the mix, and everybody is doing that for their locals, then eventually we can start to paint this big picture of what the 1.0 format is actually doing, is actually looking like in the places where people are actually playing. So... I went to my local game store, Next Level Games. Thank you very much to them. Shout out to them. They do really great work. They run really good events. And the people who um, tend to be there are really, really awesome, really, really passionate people. So thanks a lot to them. We had a great turnout for the area. As I said, 10 people, which is quite a lot for a game that doesn't have a built-in fan base. So for one, a newer game, that was a really, really good turnout. It shows that people are really, really excited about this game. Everyone was very friendly, and it was really great to come together with people, some of whom I already knew, some who I just met on the day, and we got to be excited about this new game together in person. It was a great feeling after having to be sort of excited about the Digimon card game in a little bubble online. Now, in terms of results, I actually managed to take out the win for the tournament. Ah, yes, I know. Three wins, one loss, played four games in total. I played an aggressive red deck. This is actually the same aggressive red deck that I posted up on uh, Twitter, Facebook, all the socials. So if you haven't already seen it, please go and check it out on my Twitter, on the Facebook page. Um, That was the deck that I played. It did pretty well, uh, as I said. Won three of my matches, lost one, where I did brick fairly hard, but I was also just a little bit outplayed by a Black Blockers deck, but I also felt very vindicated by that, because Black Blockers was a deck I said would be surprisingly strong, and the fact that that was the deck that beat me sort of made me feel good about my prediction there. So, all in all, a very good result for us. So, 
I wanted to take a second to share the observations that I had, and you do need to keep in mind this this was a very small event, so it's hard to say that these things can be generalized across everybody, but as I said, I just wanted to kind of throw my data into the big sort of pool of data that as a community we are all putting together from our various small events. So the first thing I wanted to say is that I was concerned heading into the day that there wouldn't be a lot of deck variety, but thankfully I was proven wrong when... All the decks you see, all the conversation you see is on the internet, where generally the most passionate, more competitive people are hanging out. You're going to see a lot of the same deck lists, especially if one or two decks are kind of topping the meta, as we have with 1.0 at the moment. But at my locals, there were 10 people, as I said, playing, and there were decks in pretty much every color on display. There actually weren't any blue decks on the day, which was weird because blue is kind of topping the meta at the moment. The blue Omnimon Turbo deck is really popular online so it was interesting that no one was playing any blue uh there were only two red decks and one of them was being piloted by me so again one of the more popular colors online was just not being played there were a lot of yellow decks a lot of green decks people were particularly passionate about tyrannomon rust tyrannomon that kind of line and as i said the deck that beat me was a black blockers deck and i did also see a purple deck running around so just interesting to see that that's kind of what was being played in my local area and it definitely gave me a lot to think about in the way that I kind of construct my decks when I know that that's where I'm going to be playing in future because as I was constructing my deck in the bubble I was thinking okay I've got to fight against Omnimons I've got to fight against Purple Piedmons but that just wasn't what the people around me were playing so it's going to lead to some interesting specific meta decisions for my deck building in future I think and I'll definitely do an episode in the future on building for your local meta as well, because I think that's a topic that definitely has a lot of depth and we could really get into some interesting discussion about that. Uh, it was really inspiring actually seeing people trying so many different things because it was really cool to see that people were really sort of trying to see what the game can do, trying to push the boundaries and playing what they thought was fun, which I've always been a big advocate for that. People were playing decks that they thought were fun that they thought they were going to enjoy one of my good friends actually told me that when he was constructing his deck he took that advice from the podcast to heart and instead of building the deck he thought would be best he built the deck he thought he would enjoy and he had a blast playing on that weekend so that was really cool the other really interesting thing was that no deck on the day got blown out i don't think there was a deck that got no wins across all of its matches so that was really really cool every deck had a chance to win every deck was sort of viable if it was being piloted correctly and had been sort of constructed uh, with a lot of forethought so that was really really cool it was a great advertisement all in all for making sure that you attend those events at your lgs of course when it is safe to do so make sure that when your lgs does finally start running events in person you go along you support them if the event is free i always try to purchase a product while i'm there just to sort of um give something back to the game store for running those events because that really is for me and i know for a lot of us the lifeblood of a trading card game so make sure to support your locals as well as you support the broader community And with that, we will jump into our main topic. Now, as I said, this week, as if you're listening to the podcast as it comes out, this weekend, 
is the first official webcam tournament for the Digimon card game. It's the first official event for the Digimon card game. It's very, very exciting stuff. Now, I've seen online that people are saying that the sign-up fee is a bit pricey for the prizes that are being offered, and I would kind of agree with that. The prize pool doesn't really match up to what they're asking for people to pay to participate in the tournament, but personally, I'm happy to pay a little bit more because of the kind of excitement and prestige of being in the first official tournament and the fact that I'm going to get to look at those prizes and look back at them on my shelf in years to come and know that that was the event, that I was there at that really, really cool, really, really exciting moment in time when there was just so much possibility in front of us. So just for the ability to play in this event, I'm happy to maybe pay a little bit more than the event would otherwise be worth. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about what decks are going to be present and what decks are going to do well in the weekend. Now, when this episode goes out, it's probably going to be a little bit late to do much to change your deck, but I'm hoping to give you a good idea of the decks that you're likely going to come up against and maybe help you just know how to pilot your deck when you're coming up against these other decks. Because while making sure that your deck is constructed to combat against certain strategies is important. What's really, really important is the way that you pilot the deck you have against different strategies because you will need to play differently depending on different strategies that you come up against because obviously you can't change the cards in your deck. You could build a perfect counter to Rookie Rush, but if you come up against an Omnimon Turbo deck, you can't change the cards in your deck. You've just got to change the way you play it. And I'm hoping to sort of give you an idea of what you can do to play your deck differently against the different strategies. So we're going to talk about the decks that are the most popular at this moment. That is, as of recording, the 10th of December 2020. Putting the date in there, dating this episode for posterity, because I want this um, episode not only to act as something that is very, very helpful for people heading into this weekend, but I know that this episode is kind of of its time. It's only really going to be helpful for this particular weekend. So after this weekend, I want this episode to stand as a kind of time capsule of this moment in the history of our game. And people can look back at it and get a really good idea of what people were playing, what people were thinking at this moment in time. So the first deck that we are going to talk about is a deck that is arguably the best in the format right now. I've talked about it a bit. It's almost certainly going to see a lot of play this weekend. A lot of people are talking about it. It's Blue Omnimon Turbo. So as its name suggests, this is a blue deck and it is centered around Omnimon. Now the strategy of this deck is that it plays cheap rookies and cheap to ev- cheap evolutions, cheap digivolutions. Uh, with an eye to get up to Omnimon as quickly as possible, as cheaply as possible. And then it's just going to run over the top of the opponent with Omnimon after it uses its effect to remove any threat that the opponent might have on the board. So just as a reminder, Omnimon is a level 7. It is white. It digivolves from a red level 6 or a blue level 6 for 6. It is a 15 memory cost to play. It has 15 thousand dp so it is the highest dp digimon in the game currently it has an on digivolve effect where you target one of your opponent's digimon and then you destroy it and every digimon that they control that shares a name with it so you you target an on uh, say an argumon and they have six argumon on the board somehow you will destroy all six of those argumon it also has a when attacking effect which is that you can unsuspend omnimon by trashing 
a level six Digivolution source from under it. So it can get in two attacks as well. So obviously really, really powerful. It's removal on a huge body that can attack twice the turn that it digivolves. It is just an enormous threat and it is good enough, as we can see, to just build a deck around and that's just the win. That's just the win condition. So the deck can take a few forms. There's various tech cards that people might put in depending on what they expect to encounter, but almost always it's going to include four of each cheap blue vanilla dingy mon. So you're going to see Gomamon, you're going to see Elecmon, Gorillamon, Monzemon, and Plesiomon. It plays the full suite of four Omnimon because the deck needs to get that Omnimon. It wants to maximize the chances of getting one. It doesn't want its only Omnimon to be stuck in security. It doesn't want its only Omnimon to be stuck at the bottom of the deck. It needs to get at least one Omnimon per game, so it plays the full four. It's also often going to play memory-gaining cards like Hammerspark and sometimes Leomon, the Leomon, which gives two memory when it is deleted. And these are there to extend the plays to get to Omnimon that much quicker because if you can do more actions in a turn, if you can digivolve further up your chain in a turn, the quicker you get to that Omnimon. So this deck rolls over Diaboramon, just something to note. And the popularity of this deck kind of single-handedly stops Diaboramon from really being viable in a competitive setting. Just something interesting to note that this deck stops a whole other deck from really being played at all. People still like Diaboramon, and I've played against a couple of Diaboramon decks. He's very, very popular, but because of this deck, it's just never going to top the meta, I don't think. I look forward to being proven wrong this weekend when a Diaboramon deck is going to take the whole thing. But as it stands, Diaboramon, not a strong deck because of the Omnimon deck. Um, Omnimon having 15,000 DP and being the most powerful Digimon but in terms of raw DP, it has very little to fear when attacking into the security. It's not going to die to anything except opposing Omnimons and otherwise can attack with impunity and only has to really worry about option cards coming up. So very feeling very safe attacking into the security. The, where the deck does suffer is over a longer game. Because it is a turbo deck, because it is kind of rushing to its win condition, when you force the deck to play a longer game and stall out their game, it starts to suffer, it starts to lose momentum, it starts to grow a little bit weaker. So you want to play plenty of blockers, you want to play plenty of removal to grind the game down, to slow the game down, and keep those Omnimon off the board, because without the Omnimon, the deck often doesn't have really a way to get up over the top, because the top end of the blue cards, other than Omnimon, aren't really as good as the top end cards in a lot of other colours, generally speaking. So you really want to, um, as I say, play a lot of blockers, play a lot of cards to slow the game down, and avoid giving your opponent too much memory, because they're just going to use that to power up to Omnimon. You really want to try to memory choke this deck as much as possible. That's the way that you're going to sort of combat this strategy. So with that, we come to the end of Omnimon Blue, fittingly nice and quickly. The next deck that we're going to talk about is Omnimon Blue's fiery sibling, Omnimon Red. Now, Omnimon Red, as it sounds, plays a very similar strategy to Omnimon Blue. The main game plan, obviously, being to get Omnimon onto the board, wipe, remove threats, swing for the win. Same as with the Omnimon Blue deck. Omnimon Red can tend to be a bit slower, though, but as a trade-off, it does actually have other win condition Digimon. It will sometimes play War Greymon, it will sometimes play Gallimon, it has other big level sixes, 
that can be used as these big attackers to just close out the game because red is really good at building up these huge attackers and sometimes this deck will win without even playing the omnimon which doesn't really happen in the blue deck so just a bit more versatility there which is something to look out for as i say red's got a greater focus on sort of strong inheritables strong digivolution lines so in the Omnimon red deck, you'll see Digimon like the starter deck Greymon, which gives security attack plus one as an inheritable effect. You'll also see the starter deck Agumon as a four of, because that gives plus 1000 DP as an inheritable on your turn. So it makes the Omnimon basically invincible to being destroyed by a deep uh, security Digimon coming up from the security, because there's nothing that has enough power to defeat an Omnimon that has 16,000 or more DP. You can also expect that you're going to see Volcanic Dramon teched into this deck quite often because it's a good anti-Rookie Rush card because the Volcanic Dramon's on-play effect will destroy each opponent's Digimon with 4,000 DP or less. And also because Volcanic Dramon actually serves as another big security attacker. It has security attack plus one on the card. So it serves as another way to just get those security checks happening for red. The other thing to note about red is that it gives the deck access to Terra Force. And Terra Force or Gaia Force is just this incredible removal option. It, we know it by now. If you don't know it, red option card, 8 memory to play. And it just says destroy an opponent's Digimon. And then the security effect is that you activate the card's main effect. So you also destroy an opponent's Digimon. It's unconditional destruction, best removal card in the game probably at least the best removal option and always something you have to think about when you're attacking blindly into Omnimon Red security or when you leave them with kind of a big amount of memory. So playing against Omnimon Red you want to memory choke the deck because it plays with cards that are of a higher memory cost than the cards in the blue deck. It costs more for Omnimon Red generally speaking to digivolve up to its um, top end Digimon, so memory choking is a good strategy. And you also want to make sure that you're keeping Digimon with various names on the field rather than going all in on, say, Argumons or what have you to minimize the impact of the Omnimon effect. You don't want to allow your opponent to play Omnimon and then wipe out your board. So try to vary the Digimon that you're playing as well. But as I say, memory choking this deck is kind of the big way to really slow it down, to really sort of weaken it as you might say okay we are plugging through these decks so the next deck that we're going to talk about our third of the four decks that we're going to talk about today is purple piedmon now this is another deck that i believe is going to be very popular this coming weekend and i think it's going to stay popular going forward in the 1.0 meta because it really appeals to a lot of different players that's the purple piedmon deck purple decks as we've seen tend to want to rush a bit more purple decks get a lot of value out of their th level threes and level fours and they get a lot of value out of on play effects but they don't really want to digivolve up so it tends to be a bit quicker sometimes the purple deck is built as kind of a rookie rush strategy because purple cards and purple digimon want to be deleted that's how they activate their effects so purple can play rookies that attack into the security and they don't care as much if they're destroyed because they're still getting value back from those cards for example there's tapiamon which is a purple level three for three memory to play zero to digivolve and it just has an effect that says on deletion 
draw one. So you draw a card when Tapiamon is deleted. So you, the purple deck can happily attack into security with the Tapiamon, trigger a security check, and the worst case scenario is they lose their cheap level three and get to draw a card. So they're not even losing card advantage. So that's really the one of the strengths of the purple deck. Uh, getting rid of a security and getting a card in hand is a really good deal. And the other thing that you need to know about the purple is that it has a lot of effects. Cards like Night Raid, cards that bring back purple cards, purple options, purple level threes from the trash, either to the hand or to the field. So it can reuse these cards that it doesn't care about deleting. So it really doesn't matter to the purple deck if it's losing its cards to security because it will just get them back. So this is where the Rookie Rush strategy for purple or the rookie strategy for purple really comes into play is that it just can keep getting these cards back over and over again trading them for security so the purple value purple value engine kind of gets rolling there you'll also see the purple deck playing wizardmon for the draw effect on deletion wizardmon is another digimon that says on deletion draw a card and it also has the ability if you have a yellow digimon on the field the wizardmon will get retaliation or vengeance or i forget what the english word is at the moment but it gets the effect that if it is destroyed by an opponent's digimon in battle it then destroys that digimon so it will always destroy the opposing digimon in battle if you have a yellow digimon on the field so sometimes purple will even play a few yellow rookies just to get that effect from the wizardmon because it is that strong you trading a level four for any digimon an omnimon a machine Digimon, whatever it might be is great value uh, purple will also play devimon which naturally has that retaliation ability and that's for the same reason because that's a level four that you can trade for any digimon so purple really taking advantage of the fact that it has strong removal effects the deck also wants to play four Piedmon or a lot of Piedmon, which is a level six. It costs 12 to play uh, outright, which is pretty much the only way that people are playing Piedmon. They're not really digivolving Piedmon because Piedmon has an on-play effect that returns up to two level three purple Digimon from your trash to the field. Now, it doesn't let their on-play effects activate, so you don't get any on-play effects from these Digimon, but you are getting them back and you can as we said, cannon them into your opponent's security. Don't care if they die because generally they will give value on deletion. So Piedmon really sort of bringing with it a couple of attackers and then on your next turn you can attack with all three of them, do a huge amount of damage to security. You don't care if your Digimon die and really just put a lot of pressure onto the opponent. Uh, purple, as I said, has a lot of removal effects, a lot of removal Digimon. And the important thing to remember when playing against purple is that you really need to have strong responses. So when they remove your Digimon, you've really got to make sure that you are keeping a response in hand. You are able to build your board back up. Your ability to recover from the things that purple is doing to you is going to be the key factor in beating purple. You can't let them outvalue you. You can't let them just keep your Digimon off the board, you need to be able to respawn, rebuild. And so you just need to be careful when you are choosing what to play that you are keeping sort of a response in hand. And finally, the final deck we need to talk about today is probably, probably I would describe this as the boogeyman of the special booster version 1.0 format. This is the Rookie Rush deck. Now, everywhere you look online in the Digimon discussion on the Discord, 
people are talking about Rookie Rush. Every time someone posts a deck profile, one of the most frequently asked questions for that deck will be, how does this play against Rookie Rush? How does this beat Rookie Rush? Volcanic Dramon finds itself in deck lists of all colors of the rainbow because it is the best safeguard against Rookie Rush. Rookie Rush, in a lot of ways, is considered the deck that you need to be able to beat in order to be competitive in the Digimon card game in 1.0. Now, Rookie Rush, as you can tell by its name, is a very fast deck because it doesn't need to build up to its attacks. It doesn't need to build up huge Digivolution chains. And a lot like the purple deck, it doesn't care if its Digimon are deleted by security checks. Not necessarily because it gets value off them, but just because they are so cheap and so replaceable and it just wants to play a lot of rookies, a lot of level threes, and just throw them at the security. The other sort of strength of the deck is that it is very, very consistent. Where a lot of other decks run into inconsistency is that they need to make sure that they are getting their Digivolution chains in order. They need to start with the level 3, then the level 4, then the level 5. Rookie Rush doesn't need to Digivolve, so it bricks nowhere near as often as any other deck. And when I say brick here, I mean it starts with does not start with a bad or unplayable hand. When you brick, you're starting with sort of a bad or an unplayable hand. Usually a hand with no level threes. The Rookie Rush deck doesn't run into that problem. It will almost always have a playable hand. Now I've said on this show many times that consistency is very important. And one of the best strengths of Rookie Rush is that it is consistent. You'll be getting pretty much the same sort of setup for yourself every game because the setup is just play a lot of rookies. This deck is also really, really good at memory choking because it has small on-play costs that leave the opponent with very, very little memory. And it has a mix of twos and threes, which you can kind of manipulate, play in a certain order, and get that memory gauge over to one really consistently on the opponent's side. So you can really choke them out with the Rookie Rush strategy. So as I say, this deck is fairly good. This deck is very, very feared. But... Like any deck, it does have its weaknesses. The first weakness is that the deck does not digivolve often, if at all. And as we know, you always draw a card when you digivolve. Digivolving is one of the main ways to sort of refresh your hand to see more of your deck. The Rookie Rush deck can't do that. So it can run out of cards in hand very quickly because it's not replacing them with the digivolution draw. Uh, It's for this reason that in the Digitama deck, for the Rookie Rush deck, you'll often see Upamon, which is a blue Digi-Egg level 2, and it's inheritable, draws a card on attack if the opponent has a Digimon with no Digivolution sources. This is something that happens quite a lot in games, especially when people are forced to play a Digimon hard from hand rather than Digivolving it up. So this is kind of the way that the Rookie Rush deck makes up for the lack of Digivolution draw by using that Upamon effect to get some draw happening on its attacks. The Rookie Rush deck is also weak to memory gaining effects, especially the sort of memory gaining tamers. And so because it needs to combat memory gaining effects, you'll often see a lot of Tumon because it wants to minimize the chance for you to use memory gaining effects to um, play against their memory choking strategy. Because Tumon is a level three that stops the opponent from gaining memory from anything except tamer effects. So it stops the hammer sparks, it stops the gravity crushes. It says the only way you can gain memory is through the use of a memory tamer. 
Now, Rookie Rush plays mostly level 3s, as you can tell from the name. But one other card that you need to look out for in the Rookie Rush deck is Puppetmon. Now, Puppetmon is an 11-cost, level 6, green Digimon that, like the Piedmon, is played from hand rather than the Digivolved because it has an on-play effect that suspends an opponent's Digimon and then stops all of the opponent's Digimon from unspending during their next active phase. So it keeps everything suspended on the opponent's side of the field through the opponent's next turn. So this can be used to help keep down an opponent's blockers or tap down an opponent's blockers so that the rookies can go in for a winning attack. And the Puppermon is often played just ahead of sort of a a big rush on security and an attack for the win. Or it can just stop the opponent from being able to recover and follow up from a big attack. The opponent attacks with everything, then the Rookie Rush deck plays the Piedmon, keeps everything tapped, and just stops the sort of second wave of that big attack from happening. And it's for this reason that in the Rookie Rush deck, one of the options you'll often see is also Flower Cannon, which is a two-cost green option card that suspends an opponent's Digimon as the main effect, and when it comes up from security, it suspends all the opponent's Digimon. So this can either suspend a key blocker to get that winning attack through, or it can stop a big attack in its tracks by suspending all the opponent's Digimon and just stopping them from being able to attack, because obviously a suspended Digimon cannot attack. Now, when we talk about beating Rookie Rush, the key to beating Rookie Rush is kind of in the name as well. The deck wants to rush, so to beat Rookie Rush, we need to slow their game plan down and make sure that our own game plan continues at a steady pace. So if you get a chance, you need to deploy your memory tamers earlier than usual, which will stop the memory choking tactics of Rookie Rush. Get those tamers down that say, if at the start of your turn you have two or less memory, you get three you get set the memory to three so you stop them from being able to um, hold you at one or two memory you get the full three memory and that usually represents you being able to do two things on your turn rather than one and since rookie rush doesn't need to do anything except keep playing level threes and swing not caring if those digimon get deleted it puts the opponent on a very fast sort of a timer it says you need to be able to either slow me down or beat me in six or fewer turns. Because that's how long it's going to take to play a rookie each turn and sort of attack in for the win. So proper use of blockers can really slow this timer down because there aren't any level threes currently that get up over the standard 6,000 DP blocker. There's no level threes that have more DP than that. So they can't attack over the blocker. They can't even trade with the blocker. And it forces the rookie rush player to slow down, build up their resources so they can just kind of get around the blocker and just throw enough attacks that having the blocker doesn't matter. So this gives you time to put your own plan into motion. And then I wanted to share another strategy I've seen for playing against Rookie Rush that I find really interesting. Now, this comes from Ronon Run on DigimonMeta.com, which is a really interesting website. And I will link the article that I'm quoting here in the show notes. The article is titled Dealing with Rookies. It's about defeating the Rookie Rush deck. And in this article, Ronon suggests that you could deliberately overload the memory gauge so you hard play your level fives your level sixes your big memory plays and then you leave the rookie player with an abundance of memory you leave them with too much memory now the idea is that um rookie cards level three cards are very cheap 
and the turn doesn't pass until the player either passes the turn or they play enough cards, use enough memory to put the memory gauge over to one on the opponent's side. So by overloading the memory gauge, you force the rookie rush player to play out their hand in order to play enough memory to turn the turn back over to keep the game going. They empty their hand onto the field and then you can follow up with Omnimon, Volcanic Dramon, whatever it might be, mass removal of your choice, clear the board, and then leave the Rookie Rush player with nothing on the field, no cards in hand, you break their momentum, and then you can sort of go in for the win from there. And I really like this because if they don't take the bait and they just pass the turn back to you, giving you three memory, then it means that you've played something huge, a huge amount of memory, a high-cost card, whatever it might be, and it's kind of gone unanswered. So you're really forcing them to either answer you by playing out their hand, falling into your trap, or you're just letting, they they just need to let you outvalue them. So I really like this strategy, but it can backfire if the rookie player is ready for it, or if you're not ready to spring your sort of removal trap in response to them playing everything out, because otherwise they've just played a massive board full of attackers and you're kind of sitting there sitting duck. So make sure that if you're going for this, you are ready And you are ready to respond to whatever they might throw at you. In this webcam tournament coming up, are we going to see a lot of Rookie Rush? I think we are. Mostly because it's built up a reputation as the deck to beat in the 1.0 meta. But, that said, I personally would be surprised if a Rookie Rush deck wins the tournament. I think that in a lot of ways, its reputation has handicapped it. Because anyone who isn't playing Rookie Rush is getting ready to play against Rookie Rush. Everyone is thinking about Rookie Rush. They're thinking about how their deck beats Rookie Rush. And that really weakens the deck because it means that everybody is either playing it or they're ready to play against it. But again, everything I've sort of said uh, is speculation. Everything I've said today is speculation because we just don't know. I thought at my local tournament, I was going to see one thing. And then when I turned up, I saw something completely different. It could be the same way with the webcam tournament. We really don't know what people are going to bring. So please um, don't quote me on any of this unless I turn out to be right. And we have to wait until sort of Sunday evening when the whole thing is over to be sure what it's going to look like. And I'm not going to be really confident in saying this is what the webcam tournament looks like until probably three weeks from now when it's definitely truly over and I can finally sit down and really analyze it. If you are listening to this episode on release, I really hope that it's been an interesting kind of speculative look at the upcoming worldwide tournament. I hope that this has helped you feel more prepared for your matches. I hope that this has helped you to think a bit more, not just about the way you build your deck, but making sure that you're thinking about the way that you play as well, because thinking about the strategies that you you take into your games um, is really going to sort of evolve your game and make you a better player, knowing that it's not just about what you build, but also how you play what you've built will really level you up as a player. If you're listening to this episode after the webcam tournament sometime in the future, I hope that this was an interesting snapshot of a unique moment in the history of our game, the Digimon card game, and I hope that you don't judge me too harshly for getting it exactly perfectly wrong. The main takeaway from all of this everything we've talked about today, is that no deck is unbeatable. Each deck, even the very strongest deck, has their weaknesses. And that's a big part of why I love playing this game so much. You don't need to feel discouraged if you come up against a deck that you were dreading facing. You need to just trust in your game plan, 
but recognize its flaws, know what the weaknesses in your own game plan are so you can cover them, and always keep an eye out for the flaws in your opponent's game plan because there are always going to be flaws in the game plan. We can't build a perfect deck. We've only got 50 cards and 50 digi-eggs. It's impossible to build an unbeatable deck. So if you play well, keep your eyes out for your opponent's flaws. You will be able to overcome obstacles. And now my question for you listeners to take home is, how did you do in the tournament? Please, after you've played your games, post the results of your games either on Facebook in the Memory Gauge podcast Facebook page or on Twitter using hashtag Memory Gauge podcast and please let us know the highlights of your matches. If you have any questions, feedback, comments, or concerns, tweet at me at ConnorEFMG on Twitter or email me at MemoryGagePodcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to give me that feedback. I absolutely love hearing from you guys. New episodes of the Memory Gauge Podcast come out each week, so be sure to follow the Memory Gauge Podcast on the podcast service of your choice to stay up to date and to stay notified when there is a new episode. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Memory Gauge, logging out. Music